0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Married with Children podcast. My name is Jerry, aka Steve's number one fan. You might remember me from the early seasons of the show, where I brought you all the greatness that was Steve. But today we're covering an episode, a very special episode, a Halloween episode. And I had to come and tell this story. So before the Married with Children podcast started, um, on my horror podcast, Kill the Cast, We, for Christmas, would always do uh, Halloween sitcom episodes, and the first one we ever did, uh, one of the episodes that I chose was a Married with Children episode, this episode in fact, and it's a wonderful episode, Uh, Peg's looking fantastic as death, let me tell you, but the reason I bring this up is because right around this time, Alex was ending his horror podcast, The Skeleton Crew. And he was kind of, like, trying to debate on what he wanted to do next. Well, I think, uh, somehow, subconsciously, the, the idea of doing an episode on, on Married with, doing a podcast on Married with Children based off of, uh, us on Kill the Cats doing an episode covering Married with Children definitely got its hooks in, and he, it, it was there. Now, Alex had always listened to other podcasts that it covered like things like The Simpsons or like the uh old Adam West Batman. So the idea of covering a sitcom was not a new idea to him. But when he started thinking, you know, no one's done a podcast on Married Children, I should do one on Married with Children, the the fact that uh We Don't Kill the Cast had done it was definitely definitely tingling in there somewhere. And um Then when he told me about it and he kind of put out a thing about people coming on and doing the show, I jumped on it being a huge Skeleton Crew fan. I've been on multiple Skeleton Crew episodes. I was like, yo, I literally just did an episode. Like, that's my audition tape. Like, I just covered a Married with Children episode. And he was like, oh, my God, you you did. Like, it clicked in his head that, yeah, I I had just done it. And now he's starting a whole show on it. And it was just kind of like... It's like something underwritten that kinda came to the surface. So I immediately joined him on that and, and we, we did great episodes together and I love this show. And I'm and now it's in its third iteration, it's third set of hosts, uh, multiple hosts. It was like shout out to the Australian team, by the way. Y'all are bald. Um but it continues to live on through through multiple people because the Married with Children podcast has so many fans because this show is absolutely wonderful and even though the show you know doesn't have Steve on it anymore and it doesn't have me on it doesn't mean that it's not still amazing so just remember that when you're out there creating stuff you can inspire people with not even realizing it and uh, that's just kind of a small piece of the Mary with Children podcast history is that I had covered in this episode and uh it it kind of was my audition tape for alex and it also was a kind of a little seed planted in alex that he unknowingly uh grew into this amazing thing so thank you to alex thank you to the new crew thank you to everyone who uh past present has supported this show or been on the show we love you and remember follow your dreams drown a turtle and become a park ranger you can do it i'm gonna go eat a tang sandwich because it's it's i'm hungry and uh, i will see you all next time on the married with children podcast don't think i'm gone forever you never know when i'm gonna pop up later guys it's just all my family has to do is say they need me
1: that's right just once just once.
2: <laughs> All right, I'll get my suitcase. Let's rock.
3: Thanks, Dad.
1: Can I get it open?
2: Whoa! Oh, no Man Presents, live from the duty Ball. The Married With Children Podcast!
4: Hello, yes, we are still in the nudie bar, even though it may be in another country. Yeah, I know what you mean. I always wanted to go to Australia, but I don't speak a word of Australian. (laughs) Oh, except for, um,
3: koala. (laughs)
4: This is the Married with Children podcast, and welcome. My name is Annabelle, a.k.a. Marriedaniac, and I'm hosting a Halloween charity fundraiser tonight for women who kill their husbands just to watch them die.
5: And my name is Matt, and I am not, and never will be, the sixth village person, not even for a million dollars.
4: (laughs) How about a billion dollars?
5: Oh, hmm. I'd, I'd consider it then, especially if it meant, um, well, ooh, could you put it to good use in the future? <laughs>
4: oh, yeah. So this is Season 8, Episode 7, Take My Wife, Please, directed by Tony Singletary, with teleplay by Peter Gork and Eddie Feldman, story by Brad Ewan, first aired 24th of October 1993.
2: Move over, Barney. Make room for Bundy.
5: I hate life. Life hates me. It's a full hour of Married with Children, coming up next. And I believe it's the first Halloween episode. I don't think it did any Halloween episodes before this.
4: No, this is the first and sort of the only real dedicated Halloween episode. There's one in season 10, but Halloween is sort of a B-plot a subplot in that one. That's the Flight of the Bumblebee episode in season 10. But this is the first. I mean, it took them eight years.
5: <laughs> yeah, that that's right. Um, it was sort of like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or The Simpsons or even South Park. I mean, that Married with Children isn't really known for Halloween episodes like those shows are.
4: No, or Roseanne, for instance. They're pretty dedicated with their Halloween. They would go all, all out. So maybe Married with Children took a conscious decision not to. I don't know.
5: Yeah, smart move, I think, especially because Roseanne was always the more realistic of the blue-collar 90s shows.
4: Yeah, sort of a little more down-to-earth kind of thing. Just a smidgen. (laughs) But they did some good Halloween episodes. Even they didn't start until Season 2, but they did one every year after that because they were so popular. I'll
5: have to get around to watching them one day.
4: Oh, you should. Maybe that can be your next show.
5: Oh, well, just to fill everyone in, um, I've been watching an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine before work. It has really helped me get through this whole oh, isolation period. I'm sure a lot of you around the world have been doing similar things. And, um, well, sad thing is, I run out end of this month, but it means I can just watch something else. If worse comes to worse, I'll just watch Married to Children before work.
4: Hooray! <laughs> and Matt, while you're on the subject, you may as well talk a little bit about how you got into Married to Children in the first place and how you found the podcast.
5: Well, as a lot of you already know, I found it randomly channel surfing at my grandma and granddad's house 13 years ago last month. Dad and granddad were trying to fix a computer dad had got them for their birthdays, and I was like, eh, I'll leave these two guys to it, walk to the living room, join my grandma. Foolishly, or was it meant to be, who will ever know, she passed me the remote. I flicked through the channels, they had cable, just so my granddad watched the Premier League, mainly. Let's see, I was like, yep, 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 yep. Oh, what's this, married with children? Bear in mind, I had no idea what it was, no idea at all, just picked it purely on its name. Click. About ten minutes or so in, Dad and Granddad actually walk in, wondering, why is Matthew laughing so loudly? (laughs) Then they realise what I was watching. And I've never saw TV in the same way ever again. Um, oh, many memory became came along from here. So to my granddad Brian, if you ever listen to this and off chance you have come across this, um, I just want to say thank you. To my grandma Marge, if you have this up in heaven, um, again thank thank you very much. As for the podcast, well, having been a fan for thirteen years now. I was just all oh, I, I can't remember how exactly how it came across the podcast, but um. I think I saw it floating around on Facebook, actually. And I started listening at the third season. Well, when it was airing the third season, I went back to episode one, basically binged them, and then caught up, and then listened to them religiously every week since then. It was a dream come true for me. My all-time favourite show, dissected to a little... to a T. Oh, I've sent clips in, and now I'm one of the co-hosts. Even more of a dream come true, to be honest. (laughs) So there you have it. That's how I got into um, what the French call Marilier Deux Enfants.
4: I knew what the French was because I had to translate it once for some French thing in high school or uni. That's a great story, Matt. I like that. Oh, thank you. And it's very sweet. It's a good thing you're not Terry Recolter because she watched this show and she didn't know what it was and just going by the name. Unfortunately, she took it the wrong way, but perhaps fortunately for us because she gave it an audience. Well, she got eight
5: fruit baskets out of it, <laughs> considering <laughs> that she sent fruit basket every Christmas. Yes, and
4: <laughs> apparently that was the network. Michael Moy denies ever sending her anything because she made his life a living hell. On Halloween night, the Grim Reaper, in the form of a dark-haired, pasty-faced Peggy, finally answers Al's inadvertent, long-cried call for death and won't leave him until one of his family members say that they need him. Meanwhile, Marcy convinces Peggy, Bud, Kelly, and Jefferson to impersonate the village people at a party she's hosting honouring female spouse murderers. Was
5: that from IMDb?
4: Yes. <laughs> and it made me laugh because I was the first time reading it, that entire paragraph, and that's very um, informative, isn't it?
5: Yeah. Because
4: if I went via another synopsis, it's available on Bundiology now, but it's from the old Dean Adams program guide back when we just had sort of text on websites, and his synopses were always quite astute and sort of short. So his says, on Halloween night, the Grim Reaper, who looks a lot like Peggy, finally answers Al's unwitting call for death and then won't leave him alone until one of his family members says that they need him. Meanwhile, Marcy convinces the others to impersonate the village people at her party. Guest cast. We have Patrika Darbo as Ethel, Mindy Seeger as Jeannie, Joshua Boyd as Kid One. even though I think he's the only kid. And Billy Gordon as Belle. And special guest stars The Village People. And the title comes from a comedian called Henny Youngman, who was the master of the one-liner. And his best-known one-liner was... Take my wife, please! (laughs) And he was a very famous comedian in a time when many comedians told elaborate anecdotes... Henny Youngman's routine consisted of telling simple one-liner jokes, occasionally with interludes of violin playing. And if you look him up and if you listen to his stand-up, he makes a lot of jokes about marriage that may sound very familiar. I said, where do you want to go for your anniversary? She said, I want to go somewhere I've never been before. I said, try the kitchen. <laughs> uh, there's also a, a 1988 TV movie called Take My Daughters, Please, which I don't know what that's about. I'm not sure I want to know. So the episode starts with Peggy and Bud looking at a map of the neighbourhood. Now this
1: is the Miller House. The Millers give away nice, healthy fruit, so obviously we'll be egging the Miller House. (laughs) Now, Mr Grover here, he doesn't believe in Halloween, but I say we ring his doorbell over and over again anyhow. How come? He's a Jehovah's Witness, and I just want him to know what it feels like for a child. Did you work out where everybody lived?
5: Well, I couldn't quite figure out who was who. Like, I was trying to, I mean, think, I couldn't exactly figure out which one was a Donnelly house, the McGuinty house. Obviously, you know where the Darcys are. I was more intrigued by their strategy, namely egging those that give it healthy food, trolling the non believers of Halloween, those, those who do get, don't give it sweets, candy, lollies, whatever you call them, and obviously trolling the Jehovah's Witnesses. I more paid attention to that.
4: <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, we we cultured Australians we say sweets, or supposed to, and the Americans would say lollies or candy, I guess.
5: Well, most Australians say most Australians say lollies, I think, and um, I, I tend to use the British word for a lot of things, so I tend to say sweets these days. I used to say candy. It's funny how I switched between the three um in my life.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't say candy unless you're referring to eye candy, but. <laughs> I was raised to say sweets because my mother would say, oh, you should say sweets, not lollies. But yeah, you hear lo- lollies all the time now. It's the American influence, I think. Speaking of egging houses, did you happen to catch the name of one of the houses or the house that was going to be egged?
5: Oh, for life of me can't remember.
4: Well, I'll put you out of your misery. The last name was Miller. My other half's surname is Miller. So my poor dear sweet William Miller, his house is going to be egged tonight.
5: Oh, I play a tune in the smallest violin.
4: (laughs) Is it the tune of YMCA? (laughs) Yes, now I've got YMCA stuck in my
5: head playing the violin.
4: Oh, well, it's been stuck in my head all night, basically. But on the violin, it might be more palatable at this point.
5: As long as you're not permanently put off the song for good.
4: (laughs) Kelly comes in and she's been verminating.
5: Well, I believe she's been involving in Spray Poison Twister, which is allegedly a no-no.
3: Never spray poison into each other's mouths and play Twister.
4: (laughs) People were dropping like flies. (laughs) They put on their costumes that they made last night, and what did you think of their costumes, Matt?
5: Oh, you mean especially the bag one?
4: (laughs) She ran out of ideas.
5: Very inventive. Best Halloween costume, 10 out of 10. Now, speaking of costumes and Halloween, is Halloween much of a thing in suburban Adelaide?
4: More and more it is. Um, it's really an excuse to have a fancy dress party, but I, I see more and more trick or treaters each year. Uh, I've never had any come to my house personally, but yeah, I see a few more each year, but not not like not American level or anything like that.
5: Over here in Perth, like Adelaide, it's become more and more common over the past ten years or so. The um, supermarkets and the like have put more and more Halloween stuff in them, and well, you see, like by September, you got Halloween and Christmas stuff in the shops. I mean, in my suburb at least, you had quite a few houses decorated. I, I was going for one of my um, walks and ru- walks or runs around my neighbourhood, and I saw or walked by a house, and I thought, is yeah, that house condemned? And I had to look close look, and I thought. Oh, just decorations. Honestly, I thought it was condemned because it had like the tape at
2: the front of
4: it. So, <laughs> like, what happened here?
5: Yeah, honestly, I was scratching my head. And uh, but certain bits of Perth really take to it. It's like you got entire neighbourhoods decorated. Some of the primary schools even get into onto the action.
4: We see more and more Christmas lights every year, and more and more Halloween decorations. So it's just going to grow, I think.
5: Yeah, because even twenty years ago, when I was in primary school, um, Halloween was basically something that you just watched some um, Americans do on TV, and that was it
4: made me think of Home Improvement, because they did very good Halloween episodes too.
5: Oh, yes. Uh, Let me guess. I'm pretty sure it involved Tinder Tool Man cutting the power or falling off and or both. (laughs) Uh?
4: That was a very good grunt.
5: I used to watch that show all the time when I was 13. Uh, Right from the first episode where he blew up the dishwasher, I was a fan.
4: (laughs) All right, so Marcy comes in.
1: I'm hosting a Halloween charity fundraiser tonight. For women who killed their husbands just to watch them die?
5: <laughs>
4: How would you explain her dress?
5: Oh, something out of a fairy tale, um, as, I rec- as I recall. Uh...
4: It's this sort of sickly lime green number of polka dots.
5: Yes. Yeah, very, very much like a children's storybook dress.
4: And her hair actually looks better than it has the last few episodes, but she sort of curled it up at the front, so her whole um, oeuvre is sort of a bit 70s at the moment.
1: Then it hit me. What I needed was a megastar rock group,
3: and I did it. I got the hottest rock group from the 70s, the Village People.
1: (laughs) Surely you've heard of the
3: Village People. They were huge. They sold millions.
4: And they just called collect and said they can't make it.
5: (laughs) And they're pretty sure Jefferson then walks in um, dressed as the leather man from the village people.
4: Yes, he does. And he says he's the lead singer.
2: I don't know, Marcy. Are you sure the lead singer wears pants this tight? (laughs) The cow these came from couldn't walk in this
4: leather. And I thought, hang on. The leather man is not the lead singer. The lead singer is usually the policeman. Yeah. So someone... Drop the ball or Jefferson's getting mixed up. The village people did go through a few different cast members, I guess we call them, because they're playing characters, but yeah, the policeman always took the lead on songs. So he's dressed as the leather man who was Glenn M. Hughes, who was um unfortunately yeah, he passed away in two thousand and one. But yeah, that always confused me. I'm like, no, he's not the lead singer, he's the leather man, god.
5: Well, I mean, the writers might have thought um, they make it deliberate. They might have forgotten themselves because the village people were obviously big back in the late 70s. Um, yeah, who knows if it was deliberate or not. And, and the village people, according to the Chicken Legs, A.K. Marcy, are allegedly a rock group.
4: I was about to say exactly that. I got the hottest rock group from the 70s. No, you didn't. <laughs> you got the most popular pop group. <laughs>
5: Yeah, if you want a rock group, try Yes or, I don't know, um, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin.
4: Well, Zeppelin is the first one I thought of. Zeppelin or Aerosmith or Queen or, you know. But yes, they were huge and they did sell millions, but they're not a rock group. But I'd love that she then say, you know, they were huge, they sold millions. And they just called Collect and said they can't make it.
5: Which obviously leads to Marcy um, trying to rope the Bundys into filling into the village people. Which they initially decline until the infamous um, bribe comes in. Obviously, as we know, Bundys would do almost anything for money. Especially $500. Which inflated $887.18. Which turns to Australian dollars is $1,265.30.
4: Wow, that's not bad. You are the new Jamie. You can do the um, the inflation.
5: And bonus, Australian conversion figures.
4: Ah, there we go. A little bit extra for you. So as a favour to me, I'd like you all to come over to the party. Oh,
0: thank God. I thought she was going to ask us to dress up as the village people and entertain. (laughs) And
4: and dress up as the village people and entertain. Yeah, that was almost a bit of a clunky exchange, you know. And then Marcy repeats that exact line. I mean, that's happened before. It'll happen again. But it's it's just... Too obvious, if you know what I mean. Yeah. There's $500 in it for you.
5: Uh Macho! Macho!
4: We have Al coming home. You are pretty sure that's Al coming through the door, right? Even before he takes his head off.
5: Yeah, because you haven't seen him yet, so that would be Al.
4: Just like the studio audience, wait till he takes his head off, then he can scream.
5: Pretty much.
0: Oh, how I hate Halloween. Ask me how much I hate Halloween. More than that.
2: Oh, they make all us employees put on these costumes like some woman's going to say, gee, I wasn't going to buy any shoes today. But since I see you in a dinosaur costume, I will.
0: And of course, the ride home from
2: work wouldn't have been so bad if the kids had actually got gas instead of painting the needle on the gauge full. Then again, I don't mind pushing the Dodge
0: through gang turf because I'm a mighty stegosaurus! <laughs> By the way, did I mention how much I hate Halloween?
3: Go away.
5: And he hates Halloween, but not as much as someone else in the household, namely Buck. Buck's all, go away!
4: I like the look on Al's face at the start there. Just You can just tell how much he hates all of this.
5: Yes, and his poor Dodge has been for a little bit more abuse.
1: Dear Al, trick-or-treat plans are cancelled. We're at Marcy's house being village people. Love, Peggy. He there's a plate warming in the oven for you.
5: How does she find the time? Surely, Al, after seven and a bit seasons, you shouldn't expect food in your house.
4: Yeah, especially, you know, in after episodes like At the Zoo in Season 4. Surprise, I left your food on the table and Bucks eaten it.
5: <laughs> or um, I just watched You Better Shop Around the, um, yesterday. Or Yeah, it was yesterday. I'll I, be watching an episode every day to help me get through this period as well. So I got up to that one again yesterday. And, um, well, there was food for you to eat, but you had holes in your liver.
4: <laughs> I hate life. Life hates me. Sooner. <laughs> Did you ever watch Barney?
5: Uh, bits of it. It was my era, but um, I was more into, say, play school, postman, pat, and super three, so I really dodged a Barney bullet, thankfully. Good. It sounds a bit, mm, what's the right word? Dodgy? Wrong? Uh, I mean, you're just going to talk to here. We. we have, I have no idea what it's about at all.
4: <laughs> and dodgy, I think it's one of those Australian words, isn't it? So, uh, what's the uh, American translation of dodgy?
5: Not naff, that's British. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Gosh, I'm tri- I'm trilingual, but I'm trying to think of the right word. <laughs> Off-colour?
4: Yeah, at the top of the show, we also had the Jehovah's Witness joke, which we passed over a little bit, but married children has taken jabs at Jehovah's Witnesses before. Do you remember in Season 5 in Dance Show, when Al answers the door, he picks up a baseball bat, and he says, I hope that's a Jehovah's Witness wanting to discuss hours of philosophical observation?
5: Yes! I watched some dance show not long ago, actually, just um, earlier this month. The new Alante? Was oh, that the? That's that. Is that the right one?
4: That's the one after. Yeah. Yes. Ah. Oh. That's Kelly bounces back. This dance show. That's when. Um. That's the one with Homer Simpson.
5: Yes. Oh yes. That's right. Um. And he, he had um. At Andy's potato. A
4: uh, potato. Yeah. Oh, just
5: <laughs> watching ep- so many episodes. Um. Like one a day after work, and they all just basically almost merging into one another.
4: Well, you got to watch them a hundred times, like I do. One day. While we're talking about references, the village people have been referenced on Married with Children before. They were mentioned in season six in Rites of Passage when Bud is talking about presents that Kelly's given him over the years because it turns out to be something stupid. The poster of the village people with his face over the face of the cowboy.
5: (laughs) Oh, if only Photoshop was around back then.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she must have put a lot of effort into that. And it's a bit of a shame because Bud is not the cowboy in this, is he? He's the um the construction worker.
5: Yes, he is. He is the construction worker.
4: Oh, it would be so cool if that had synced up. They were also referenced in uh, Season 7, Episode 4, Al on the Rocks, when Al's posing in his leather outfit and Marcy comes in and she said she just had a village people flashback. Mm. And then she gave him a dollar to sing YMCA. Oh, there we go.
5: No wonder they fell in love with YMCA for this episode then. <laughs>
4: God, I'm wondering if it's the only song they had rights to.
5: That's that's a thing, because obviously this all costs money, and I'm grateful that YMCA stuff was intact in the DVD too, because that would have basically ruined the whole episode.
4: Yeah, it's even on the end credits, which I find fascinating because they can't show the moving original end credits.
5: Which, to this day, is a grave injustice in my mind. I mean, all these memories are basically, well, faded from 12 years ago now. Like, later in Season 8, um, when Al Al's driving his Dodge across the New Mexican-Arizona desert. I remember him driving, but I just got a and still frame now
4: yeah it's this season uh sort of the end of season seven and then season eight is when that really took off they did more and more end credit scenes whether a new scene or just you know someone driving through the desert or someone (laughs) singing ymca but yeah they keep it the audio intact and just have a freeze frame a still frame and it shits me so much but I'm doing my best because I have got the originals somewhere and I've put a few of them up on my YouTube channel and I will put this one up as well. So hopefully I'll do that pretty soon before I forget.
5: Yes, I've watched your YouTube channel's um, clips many a time. Um, I've I've loved them for the whole um, um, original endings for these later episodes because the DVDs don't do it justice. One day, I hope that they release a proper uncut version. I can dream. I can dream.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, yeah, that is one of my dreams. If I if I won the lottery or came into a billion dollars or something, I would get the rights, put them on Blu ray, all, all intact, uncut, original copies. Any additional stuff that's out there, chuck it all on, get people in, do commentaries. Oh, you know, I've got it all planned out.
5: Excellent.
4: They do sing Macho Man very quickly.
5: We only used a couple of lines of it.
4: Yeah, only 10 grand's worth. <laughs>
5: According to Al, Halloween is the first work, third worst day of the year after Christmas, Thanksgiving and a work week.
4: But he says Christmas, Thanksgiving, then he says Sunday through Monday? Yes. Yeah, but he says Sunday through Monday. Shouldn't it be Monday through Sunday?
2: Next to Christmas, Thanksgiving, Sunday through Monday, Halloween's got to be the worst day of the year. <laughs>
5: Again, could be um, he just fumbled his lines and, we well, you know what the studio audience is like. That might have just, you uh, know, um, he could have stuffed it up too many times or um, they were laughing too hard. You know what a studio audience for this is like. Oh, yes. My, da- my dad has a theory that if I was old enough and attended the taping, he thinks I would have been kicked out.
4: <laughs> yeah, probably.
5: It would have been a case of, can this man shut up? You put the audio too much in the red.
4: <laughs> but yeah, I think he just said the wrong thing. Sunday through Monday,
2: Halloween's got to be the worst day of the year.
5: Uh, and also, when that kid spits something an hour, it looks like to be, it appears to be barbecue sauce, something else rather sticky, not just the water or um, anything like that.
4: Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what it was. It looked like tar to me.
5: <laughs> I'm a bit of a foodie, so I just thought barbecue sauce. And also, it's something easy for a kid to get, get their hands on.
4: Yeah, I just paused it again, and it does look more like sauce. Yeah, real thick barbecue sauce.
5: But imagine being a kid growing up in that neighbourhood. I mean, you'd be told by your parents at a young age, don't go to that house or those nasty Bundys. They're going to steal your paper and siphon your petrol.
4: Old Man Bundy's house? Yes. Okay, so right after that kid, there's another knock at the door.
5: Oh yeah, I think I, think I know who this is.
0: Unless you're death, go away.
5: And it's death. Which reminds me, one of my friends actually dressed up as Death for a high school f- um, fancy dress river cruise when we were uh, 15. Sadly, he was not inspired by watching this. Oh. Well, this friend of mine, don't hate me, he actually considered married to children to be boring. Boring? This is what he said about 10 years ago. He may have changed his mind since, I don't know. But, but he, he, knows who, he knows who the name Al Bundy is. Um, maybe, maybe he's changed his mind since then. He's a good sort I mean, I've known him since the first day of year two, but yeah, at least back on my university days, he thought the show was boring. So sadly, his death costume was not inspired by watching this. And I think almost everyone can recognise who death is being played by.
1: Oh yes, death has boobs.
5: And a very familiar voice and
1: face. I can look any way I want. I can be your greatest fantasy. I could be your worst nightmare. I could be my worst nightmare, but... Who'd want to go around looking like Sally Struthers?
4: <laughs> Al certainly recognises her. It. <laughs> if death is a woman, I don't know.
5: We don't know. We do not know.
4: But you've got to have a gimmick. I do like when she says, Ooh, <gasps> you found my G-spot.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, um, he found it. I mean, um, she probably felt flattered. I mean, it took six of her to take Elvis out of the toilet.
0: Then Elvis really is. Oh, please.
1: It took six of us to get him out of there. We had to take the bathroom door off the hinges.
5: And, I mean, if you have um, brushes with people who are still alive, um, either now or back then, um, Al's life is allegedly better than Michael Bolton's, the man who wrote the Facts of of Life theme, Alan Fick, who's now dead. Mm. And um, Sally Struthers allegedly wasn't in good form by 93. Um, maybe she ate too much after she spit for the meathead.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and Sally Struthers has been referenced quite a lot on Married with Children, especially up to this point, And she will again later this season. And she will again in season 10. But she's also been referenced in, in season 5 in We'll Follow the Sun and Dance Show. Season six and Kelly does Hollywood Part One and just shoo it.
5: Well, I'm pretty sure back in the '90s she was basically the face of Save the Children, um, and she was on the TV and these um, basically ch- charity drives. So that's why, hence why the, all, a lot of shows in the '90s would have ripped on her.
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, she is best known for being Gloria Bunker from All On the Family, and she had her own show, her own spinoff, didn't she, in the early '80s.
5: Yeah, Gloria, and it was an '82. Basically, um, her and the me had split around '79 when I was living in California. So the show Gloria, I've never actually seen it, but it was um a divorced Gloria moving back to New York, or I think upstate New York, with um then seven-year-old Joey. It only lasted one season. Um, by that point, the whole All in a Family franchise had really burnt out.
4: Yeah, it sounds like it. But yeah, Sally Struthers has been a spokesperson for Christian Children's Fund, later renamed Child Fund, advocating on behalf of impoverished children in developing countries, and has been the spokesperson for international correspondence schools and television ads, pitching the famous line, Do you want to make more money? Sure, we all do. Uh, yeah, Michael Bolton, he's a favourite.
5: Well, one of my best friends' last names is Bolton. He likes to say, I am not related to Michael Bolton.
4: So you mentioned the Facts of Life theme. Oh,
2: please don't take me. Take somebody who deserves it, like Michael Bolton. Or or whoever wrote that
4: Facts of Life theme. And that was...
5: Alan Thick, a.k.a. Jason Siever from Growing Pains.
4: Yes, and they mentioned Growing Pains a little bit later too.
5: Because it's on... Death's Cable Network. (laughs) DTV!
4: And Facts of Life, that gets referenced a lot in Married with Children as well, especially, well, the first one I think is back in Season 2 in Most of the Possibilities, then again in Season 6 in The Goodbye Girl, and Season 7 in Mr. Empty Pants, and this episode, and a couple more later this season as well. The Facts of Life is actually produced by the same company as Married with Children, so it's, it's good-natured ribbing, but it's also a bit of cross-promotion.
5: Was it any good? I never actually saw the Facts of Life. I um, never, never actually seen any of it.
4: Well, it, it hasn't been rerun much in my TV lifetime. And I've only seen sort of bits and pieces here and there. But I sort of know who all the girls are. Uh, you know, the Fat Girls on the Facts of Life are still called the Fat Girls on <laughs> the Facts of Life. Well, I haven't seen all of it. I've seen bits of it. But I think, you know, if you're probably a, a young woman in the 70s, 80s, in high school, you probably might have liked it. But I can't judge, honestly.
5: I mean, I've never seen it, so I can't judge either. Um, I probably would have been more interested in other shows in the area. Um, maybe something that's on DTV. If, that, if this episode was made now, there'd be things like Kilogram and Death Book.
4: <laughs> yeah, Death Book. I like that.
1: Tonight,
3: a bus crash in Texas,
1: followed by growing pains. <laughs>
4: They must really like Alan Thicke, and he will be on the show.
5: In season 10.
4: And season 11.
5: That's right. Uh.
4: He was also on um, David Faustino's show, Starving, and I think he sort of remained good mates with him, and Faustino wrote something really nice when he passed away.
5: And I was generally shocked when he passed away. I was like, no, because he, he wasn't even 70. He was out playing with his sons, and I was like, what? Jason Seaver is dead?
4: yeah you don't expect him just to, someone like him just to just die suddenly it was it was a shock. Here's me with all six of the three stooges <laughs> Death looking for a photo album yes, you a three stooges fan matt
5: ah oh, i've seen, I've seen a little bit of their work, but sadly not too much of I would love to see more though
4: okay, I was never really much of a fan. I mean I like some slapstick, but it's got to be done really well in my opinion but that was a great line. All six of the Three Stooges, and there were six. And I've got the list right here. There was Mo Howard, Shemp Howard, Larry Fine, Curly Howard, Joe Besser, and Curly Joe Dorita.
5: So were they all at the same time, or was there like a new Three Stooges?
4: First, the original team was Mo Howard, Shemp Howard, and Larry Fine, and then. Jerome Curly Howard replaced Shemp from 1934 to 1946. They were the ones who formed the classic Columbia shorts team. And Joe Besser replaced Shemp after his death in 1955. And Joe Dorita replaced Joe Besser after the end of the shorts production in the early 60s.
5: I'm sure one day, especially with isolation's still going off, time to watch more th- Three Stooges stuff. Al has until midnight for his family to. Need him and need him, and otherwise, he will not live anymore. <laughs>
4: Gee, I wonder how this ends.
5: Yeah, come on. You can't take Al away. There'll be no more show. It will get cancelled after this season, if not before.
4: Now, did you think, for example, that oh, someone is going to say that they need Al, obviously, or did you ever think or predict how this was going to end?
5: Well, when I watched this episode first, so I would have been... It was it would have been 2008, so it would have been seven, 16 going on 17. Uh, I knew the show had 11, 11 seasons, because I remember, amongst other things, um, busting my dad's internet quota to get them. So I knew how many episodes there were, so and an, I knew Al had to live. I knew it wasn't like one of those 70 shows where, um, which was pretty common back then, for one of the lead actors to walk off in a salary dispute, like it happened all in a family in Samson and Son. Sam the and they had at least three or four episodes each, without Archie and, and Fred, respectively. So I always knew um, Al would somehow pull through, because I thought, if there's no Owl, there's no show, they're not going to have, um, well, this is... This is just before The No Man Mirror, so if it happened in Season 9, they're not going to have Ike or Bob Rooney moving with the Bundys and take over his role.
4: <laughs> or some uncle we've never seen before.
5: Oh, yes, the many the Bundy family tree.
4: Yeah, and they wouldn't do anything stupid so soon after a season when they introduced an obnoxious child. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be that foolish. But yeah, um, I think the first time I saw it, I did wonder, oh, who's going to say he needs him? I thought maybe Kelly, because she's probably the closest to him.
5: So did you actually watch this when it first aired?
4: Uh, No, this would have been... Oh, actually, it would have been when it first aired in Australia, I guess. So uh, I can't remember if it was then or if it was when it first aired on Fox, which was about 98. That's probably when I first saw it.
5: Because this would have been first on, on regular TV here in 94. Yeah
4: we're a little bit behind the states <laughs> all right so now we come to marcy and jefferson's house and we haven't seen their house for a little while not this season anyway have we no and um, and we also get a shot of their kitchen which i don't think we ever see again
0: this is not going to work
4: <laughs> it can't work uh-huh. it will work
1: how see it's working already <laughs>
5: You've got Bud the Builder, Kelly the Sailor, Peggy the Indian, and another, one thing I noticed with this, w- this scene here is, surely Kelly should know what a record is, um, because when Marcy's is, Mark is giving the instructions, she's talking m- to the record.
2: Now, all you have to do is lip sync to the record. What's a record?
5: <laughs>
0: For you, a second date. <laughs>
5: Kelly was born in 1972. She should know what a record is.
4: Yeah, you, you you read my mind because when she says what's a record, and I was saying she knows what a record is. She's played them before. She's referenced them before on the show. Season three springs to mind in um, a dump of my own. When the, when's the electricity coming back on? I want to play some records. So she knows what a record is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, there's a note here from Luigi. Is that I wonder if anyone younger than 35 knows what a 45 is and how to play one.
5: Oh, I know. I know. I can answer yes to both. I'm only 29.
4: Okay, so there you go. But you're a bit of an anomaly, aren't you?
5: Yes. Um, going back to when I first watched a show, um, a few of my friends actually picked on me for watching Married to Children.
4: Oh, people pick on me now. So what? Oh, where does? Well, there's like, oh, uh, if I explain my email address, oh, have you ever heard of Married to Children? And they're like, oh, yeah. And uh, one time recently, someone said no, and I was like, oh, god, I'm getting old. But yeah. Sh- I just have to explain it, and they're like, ah, oh, okay. Like thinking, weirdo.
5: Yeah, who cares? Um, oh, it, didn- it didn't affect me at the time. I used to actually wear my no man shirt um, into school. I'll go into that sort of thing in more detail um, on that episode.
4: Yep, sounds good. Um, so, yeah, I guess Kelly saying, what's a record? That's sort of like someone today saying, what's a CD? Or what's a cassette?
5: What's a VHS tape? What's a video machine?
4: <laughs> what's a DVD? <laughs> Oh, someone on Christina Applegate's show Dead to Me, I think her youngest son, he says, What's a DVD? Oh, my God, I never felt so old.
5: Yeah, making me feel old, too.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Good, join the club. Oh. I think Kelly's saying What's a Record is just for Bud to say for you a second date. Yes. Bud the Builder, and I wanted to call him Bob the Builder, but I didn't. Kelly the Sailor and Jefferson the Leatherman. Peg the Indian now do you think they made Peg the Indian just so she could keep on that long black wig
5: probably yeah
4: and I should point out when I say Indian of course I mean Native American but I am reading from episode synopses and cast lists and quoting what they refer to in the episode itself
5: yeah I'd say that just because it suits a character the most like cause you see because Bud is a builder Kelly is a sailor Jefferson is Mr. Slave I mean leather man
4: <laughs> yeah sort of what's left really yeah I did like her how joke. Yes.
1: <laughs> My job, yes. Quiet, please. <laughs> and now the act you've all been waiting for, the village people.
4: <laughs> so they take you to the stage after Marcy sort of awkwardly introduces them. <laughs> I'm laughing because when, you, when they first... When they do YMCA the first time, yeah, it's fun to watch just one of them each time. Like watch it a few times. But Jefferson in particular, if you watch him, he does this sort of hilarious stiff dancing as he sort of tries to get into it. And it's hilarious. Watch Jefferson because, oh God, it cracked me up.
5: I will, I will. I just had down here that Kelly, Bud, Jefferson and Peg can't dance. <laughs>
4: and that's probably intentional but yeah uh, it's just fun to watch each of them sort of get into the groove of what they're supposed to be doing (laughs) but Jefferson especially in that (laughs) first one that just made me
3: laugh
1: Uh, what's the next song there is no next song I just have the
5: 45. (laughs) (laughs) Which leads me to think, uh, Marcy, you should play the B-sides. It's A, another song, and B, when you go to a concert, you always love it when you play the rare track, so you should have played the B-side.
4: Yeah, now I'm wondering what the B-side for YMCA is, and I'm going to look it up. It's a B-side called The Women. I I don't know it. Presumably, she could have flipped that over and played that. But if it's a very unknown song, then they wouldn't have had a lip sync to it. So they had enough money in the budget to play one Village People song.
5: And the audience gets rowdier and rowdier and they get up angrier and angrier. Yep. But Al's, having, Al's not having much of a better time. Well, considering he needs SPF 1 million at the moment. Because <laughs> he's having a pretty awful time, isn't he? He
4: is. He's sitting next to his favorite person in the form of death. Yeah.
0: Suppose my family lets me down. You have any idea where I might be going?
1: Well, you might want to bring along a lot of sunblock. SPF one million. Just kidding. Maybe. (laughs) When they're singing. Peg says, You know who I wish were here to see this? Me! Me! Come on, baby!
4: Say it, Peg!
1: The Supremes. <laughs> I'm much better at singing Love Child.
4: Now, that was a bit random, but also, is that a reference to her former life as a backup singer?
5: Probably probably is, actually. Um, wouldn't be surprised if that was a reference. And, uh, and also, another reference to an old older music group, even before um The Village People. So, gotta throw a bone to the older viewers of the show.
4: Yes, yeah.
5: Which, just for the record, um, for what I said very early in this episode, no, my grandparents weren't regular viewers of the show. Right. And I'm pretty sure um, when Death's talking to Al, she mentions Shakespeare was pathetic, Lincoln confessed about slavery, and a few other things.
1: I know this isn't easy for you, Bundy. <laughs> Death isn't easy for anybody. Take Shakespeare. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably the greatest writer in history. And when it was his time, all he could say was, and I quote, arg, arg, arg. Mondo disappointment for me. Why, even Lincoln was able to eke out a, okay, okay, so let's not free them. I tell you, this job sure isn't as easy as it used to be. Strike one.
4: It's a bit dark, isn't it? Yes.
5: Lincoln, what were you thinking?
4: While this is happening, Al is lining up behind her, trying to take a swing at her, and he does. What do you think of the effects on this one? Some pretty good visual effects. Given
5: it was 1993, especially, it still holds up pretty well now, I mean, because he's doing the whole baseball bat thing, like it's done many TV before, like following the old Fred Sam tradition of whack of the baseball bat. Um, yeah, just the way it goes through death, actually does look pretty good, even 27 years after it was filmed.
4: I agree. I did like that. A sort of um, casual strike one. That was very smooth. The only effect that is very obviously effect is right at the end where Al's, uh, sorry, death is on the next to the front door and she looks a little bit of a pale greenish color this time and she looks like she's very much, I want to say photoshopped in, but that's not the word, but she's superimposed in on the scene and Al's probably reacting to nothing before she vanishes up and into the flames. That's the only time where I thought, oh, that looks a bit fake. All in all, the effects are... Pretty decent, I'd say, especially for 1993, as you say.
5: And these would have been viewed on um, smaller TV screens, um, not other ones we typically have now. They would have been filmed, viewed on, say, 24-inch screens, so they've got affected factor as well.
4: Exactly.
1: How many times have they sung that song? I don't remember, but I also don't remember the construction worker having pimples. <laughs> Indian having boobies out to hear
5: <laughs> <laughs> well let's face it I mean as we mentioned before YMCA or any song would get, get old after over 9000 lessons of it in a row
4: uh, I don't know why Marcy is. she has the nerve to come out and say now the village people will take your requests
5: anything but YMCA
4: I heard YMCA hit it <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh dearie me
4: but they are getting a little bit better at their dancing. They're at least a bit more coordinated now. And they do the whole boom, 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 boom. And then the YMCA with their arms.
5: Yes, the choreography bit, which is very important for the village people.
4: Yes.
1: You know who I wish was here to see this? See me! Ow! Your ever-loving husband, Peg! Cousin Wormy. Yeah. He has all the village people records. Yes, but he doesn't have any nostrils, does he?
3: <laughs>
1: oh, calm down, Bundy. You'll give yourself a stroke.
5: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Cousin Wormy. That, that Bundy, Bundy and Wanker family tree, which is always complex, and you wonder who fits in where, and it's um, not consistent between episodes...
4: No, and I, yeah, I, I take notes on all these random family members who get mentioned Uh, like a fresh list as we, as I go through all the episodes and ready to gather all the research notes. And yeah, just in three episodes, Peg mentioned about six or eight different cousins and aunts.
5: Well, Wanker County, Wisconsin a pretty interesting place with interesting people.
4: That it is.
1: Village people are not one more round of YMCA and I say we hammer them with their own tools.
3: Okay, Bud, I think these women are
4: getting mad. We better throw them a crumb. So Kelly throws a crumb to the crowd. Uh, yes. And he bumps into a rather large woman that he bumped into previously.
5: Yes, and uh, Bud, Bud recognises that and he's like, uh-oh.
4: I did like it before, where she just towers over him and screams, <laughs> Uh So yeah, they get ready to do YMCA again. But before they do that, the real village people come in.
5: They were late because they had Halloween sweets to eat.
4: And the village people I should explain are Alexander Briley, who's the sailor, David Hodo, the construction worker, Glenn Hughes, who I mentioned before, as the leather man, G. Jeffrey Olsen as the cowboy, Felipe Rosé as the Indian, and Raymond Simpson as the policeman. And I don't think he is the original policeman. I think that was, um, or at least YMCA anyway, the song is by, the guy who sings it is Victor Willis. I think he is the original cop. So they have had a revolving cast, if you will. The, these are the guys in this episode.
2: By the way, sorry about the dodge out front.
1: Why did you hit it?
2: No, I'm just sorry about it.
1: (laughs) That's the real policeman. I'd know that night stick anywhere.
2: (laughs) Don't make me use it.
5: And they get to singing a song. Finally, the real village people singing a song. And it's drum roll. YMCA. Yeah,
4: and it sounds exactly like the record. Fancy that.
5: And of course, the audience is very satisfied with the, the probably millionth rendition of YMCA that night. I mean, I can't say I've ever um, sung that song myself or mimed to it. I mean, not even at karaoke. I've sung potentially more embarrassing songs at karaoke, though. But... Like what? Uh, okay, a couple of years ago at a friend's birthday party, um, I was forced to sing by a birthday girl's request Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> it was all, come on,
4: Maddie, you know it. I like some of Kelly Clarkson's songs.
5: It was, I, I had no choice. I was forced to sing it by the birthday girl.
4: Oh, well, then that's okay. So, yeah, they sing YMCA and the audience has had enough. So yeah, so <laughs> they go off and they attack the village people and it turns out that they hogtied the cowboy. They've handcuffed the policeman and they've glue gunned the construction worker to the Indian. <laughs> but the other two, they got off fairly light because they've been teepeed and they don't normally do that till they sing Feelings.
5: No, they don't.
4: It's not up there with YMCA or Go West or... In the Navy. Yeah, so I don't think it's a popular song, judging by that comment. Uh, but Feelings is a song with lyrics written by Brazilian singer Maurice Albert, set to the tune of Portoi. Albert recorded Feelings in 1974 as a single and later included it as a title track of his album. In mid-75, Feelings picked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100. I guess village people covered it? Hmm. Must have. Or well, they did it live, I guess. Hmm.
5: Johnny Mathis did a version, too. I've got, I've got his version, so I actually do know the song, not the Village People's version. I know Johnny Mathis' version. Oh, yeah, that would be a good version. It is. It's a very good version.
4: Excellent. So uh, the other two have been TP'd, toilet papered. Hey, wait a minute. You're throwing the good stuff.
3: Two-ply. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, that's one-ply.
3: No, no,
4: no, no, no. It's two-ply. Let's mm. ask Dad. Yeah, where is he when we meet him? Two play. Or is it one play? Is it one play or is it two play, Matt?
5: Oh, I'm pretty sure it's um a certain shoe salesman favourite of two play. With five minutes to midnight, Al is saved by one of 2020's buzzwords toilet paper!
4: <laughs> yes, yeah, very topical right now in these times. Yeah, Al's pumpkin said she needs him. And for quite the noble cause, <laughs> might I add.
5: Yes. Thank you, Al, and your love over toilets and what you put probably next to you, (laughs) Ferguson.
4: Death has accepted that and says that Al is a lucky man. But I'll see you.
1: The day after you win the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Maybe.
5: (laughs) Oh, I don't think Death was kidding.
1: <laughs>
4: so, Death takes off in her fit of flames, and the scene dissolves into Al back on the couch, and Kelly and Butter waking him up. Now, what did you think of this ending? Because it, it's a bit awkward.
5: When um, Al wakes up from his poison-induced dream.
4: Yeah, I mean, Al's been dreaming, but he he was aware that the village people were happening, so... Uh, either it was explained in the note they left at the, at the beginning or, oh, I don't know, just a, a convenient plot device. Or, I don't know, they came home in between getting ready. I don't know. So it's a bit unclear. I mean, even when Al says, oh, so death and the village people, Kelly says, oh, no, 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 that really happened. She doesn't say anything about death. She says the village people happened. So I don't know if she is, oh, I don't know. But it gets all very confusing because then death comes in at the end yes yeah see i'm a bit what's going on like what's what uh, assuming that everything has happened uh al's been in his poison dream and he's he's woken up he shouldn't know that the village people have happened but maybe he did it's not explained but yeah they invite the village people around and guess what song they do
5: Oh, let's see. It's not go west. It's not in the navy. It's not macho man. It's not oh one of the. It's not feelings. Oh, I think it's one about a certain um young men's Christian association.
4: You got it, Matt. (laughs) So yeah, they start singing that, and but um, you know, not every show in the world can say it ends with the village people performing in their living room and death is dancing on the stairs, and. Hmm. that's another thing see death comes in yeah. and then there's a quick shot of peg to show that you know it's not her so instead of katie seagal playing death who do you, do you think anyone in particular has put on the the death costume there or if it's you know um uh an extra or someone from the production team or uh, at first i thought it was marcy but i thought oh she's a little bit tallish to be marcy but it's also a bit too short to be Peg, so maybe it is Marcy, but I've gone back and forth on who it is, but I suspect it's just just someone on the crew or an extra who can um, – just someone to wear the outfit. But I don't actually know who that is I would like to know
5: didn't really stick out to me either, Anna. I mean, I didn't really take too much notice so there was no one immediately recognisable. So my guess would be an extra or a crew member or someone. And also, with the whole um, owl obviously wasn't with village people when he was having his um, poison dream, my theory is he would... The sound would have um, gone into the Bundy house, so maybe the poison mixed with the sound, mixed with his dreams. And that's how he got it.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. That's a pretty good explanation. Probably filtered... The, heard the song so many times, and it was probably a, at a deafening volume that it seeped into his dreams.
5: Because by this point, Married to Children was pretty cartoonish. I mean, they wouldn't have written this episode in, say, Season 3.
4: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it, it's it's very silly, really, and it's cartoonish, and an episode in season three is not gonna end the way this one has
5: no 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 no
4: so what did you make of that whole ending? Were you satisfied were you were you dissatisfied? Were you confused were you, did it make sense
5: well, i mean I've seen this episode uh this I think this is the third or fourth time I've seen this, so um in my book, well obviously um it yeah, it made sense enough to me because like I said, with my theory of um the poison mixed with the music mixed with everything else going on. He, the dream makes sense. And um, yeah, like I said, Death said she she was joking, maybe. And it's obviously established that de- Death isn't Peg from the end shot.
4: Yeah, whoever that is.
5: <laughs> when Al realises he uh, had a poison dream, Al actually goes consciously sniffs the poison.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's looking for a way out again.
5: <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm out of here. Because <laughs> he's obviously thinking about his regular life and he doesn't... It's like, hmm, exit... This is an exit from selling selling (laughs) shoes.
0: Was I dreaming?
3: No, Daddy, you were dying.
5: (laughs) My verminator
3: tank sprung a leak and you've been breathing in toxic poison. Here, smell. (laughs) Oh my God, we were so worried about you. He's okay, Mom. You don't have to call an
1: ambulance. I'm not. He's ordering a pizza.
4: (laughs) This was an episode that was actually nominated for an Emmy. Not an acting Emmy or one of the fancy primetime Emmys that they televise. But in the 1994 Emmy Awards, it was nominated for Outstanding Costuming for a Series. And Marty Squires is the costumer. So the costuming and costumes in this episode did get some recognition. So that's a little something. I think Married with Children only got nominations for things like this, you know, costuming. I think The Aliens was another episode that got nominated and, you know, they've been nominated for lighting, just some minor technical awards like that. Okay, guys, get it! Now, the end credits feature everybody still singing and dancing, YMCA it's a continuation of where they left I mean and they just pick it up and it's just them I think they're just jamming they're just rocking out or popping out and you do hear the audio on the in credits on DVD I think and on streaming especially on Amazon Prime but it's a still picture so I will try to get that footage up on my YouTube channel for you
1: No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app, and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review.
4: So how many times are you singing YMCA for the women's fundraiser, Matthew?
5: Well, Annabelle, um, having watched this episode for at least the third or fourth time um, earlier this week, uh, honestly, I thought it was pretty solid. Not one of my gold-tier ones. Not the sort of episode that would have me choking on my breakfast in the morning. um, And even with the um, ending that some people may have found a bit weird, I'd I'd still sing YMCA four times for the fundraiser.
4: Fantastic. That's very good. I think I will sing YMCA... Three and a half times for the fundraiser. Like you say, it's not a gold tier episode. I don't hate it, but it's not one that I've seen 50,000 times, just maybe 5,000 times. No. But it's uh, even, the YMCA repetitive doesn't even bother me that much or anything like that. It's a silly, fun episode. They're not asking too much of you. Yeah, it's gimmicky. It's silly. I love that um, Peg, well, Katie Seagal, gets to do something other than be Peg all the time. It's probably, it's a really good episode for her, which is always a plus for me. It's fun. It's very cartoonish. And yeah, I'm giving it three and a half. I'm going to be singing YMCA three and a half times for the women's fundraiser.
2: All right. I said I was going and I'm going. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot (laughs) in front of some poor guy's face, I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married With Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. Wow, I mean, should we just devote like five minutes to talking about how crazy it is that we're doing a Halloween episode a week before Halloween? I mean, literally, 10 days before Halloween, our Halloween review drops. That is bad ass. Take my wife, please. You knew things were gonna go wrong when Kelly threw a tank of poison across the room. (laughs) Marcy throwing a party for women who murdered their husbands just to watch them die? You know, we just had to digest this whole thing that Marcy murdered a school bus full of children Or teens whatever they were at that point now She's throwing parties for for a room full of murderers Who I guess either got away with it or got out at this point like what I mean has Marcy? Completely lost her mind Al in the dinosaur costume for work Classic especially him explaining like yeah, cuz that's gonna make people want to buy a pair of shoes Classic peg moment. I left a plate warming in the oven for you. <laughs> I mean, I know we're all wondering how she even knew how to turn an oven on, but uh, yeah, that's classic peg, man. Nothing was more ridiculously fake than the effect of Al getting squirt on by that dinosaur who squirts things look like uh, oil or chocolate or something. I don't know. But when he squirt, the way that shot out and what was on Al's face did not match. I mean, they carefully painted that crap on his face. And then how fake it was when he just rubs Peg's coat over his face and it's completely gone. Like, <laughs> give me a break. But that is just TV funny, though. The Grim Reaper. Peg as the Grim Reaper. Wow, another Sons of Anarchy uh, callback or call forward or premonition or what? I mean, Peg was a Reaper before she was an old lady of a Reaper. That is a great Sons of Anarchy connection. By the way, most amazing drama ever on television. Please watch Sons of Anarchy if you have not. Do that favor to yourself. It's on Hulu. At least try five episodes, six episodes, and then see what you think. Don't just watch one or don't watch none. Please do yourself that favor. So Peg as the Grim Reaper confirms that Elvis is dead. Wow. Remember when uh, Jerry and I did that big I'm going to Sweatland review? It was just me and him, and it was like a two-hour review. Like, we went deep into that Elvis review. And it was all about Peg not believing that Elvis was really dead. And now Peg as the Reaper confirmed it. Strange that Al didn't want to see pictures of uh, the Reaper with the Duke, right? John Wayne, you would think he would at least glance. Them performing YMCA, the village people performing YMCA over and over again, was just one of those examples where something is like funny, and then it's just annoying, and then it's funny again. And it's it just keeps getting funnier the more and more you hear it over and over again. And to think that Marcy would somehow think this was going to be acceptable to the audience, at her house like how does it make any sense <laughs> to keep playing the same song over and over and over again <laughs> that gigantic black woman in the orange uh, like whatever wrap around her like you, that is an image that you <laughs> you cannot forget <laughs> like she is scary looking man I mean that is just an iconic image for this episode. Then the real village people show up and kick it off with the YMCA. I mean, brilliant. I'm just surprised that Kelly and Bud couldn't tell the difference between one-ply and two-ply. It is not that hard to tell. It's really obvious. And finally, the Grim Reaper opens the door to the front of the Bundy house and it's flames. So are we to believe Al is absolutely going to hell? I mean, he's a crappy dad most of the time and not a great husband at all but hell (laughs) have we seen him do anything that's deserving of hell if he's going to hell then i sure as hell am (laughs) but no this is a classic married with children i love this one it has a lot of significance to our podcast as you've heard it is very important to our podcast it means a lot But this is just like one of those fun little Halloween episodes. Very different type of Halloween episode. It's not your typical Roseanne Halloween episode. So for that, I really like it. The only Halloween elements is that uh, Al's going to hell, Grim Reaper, I guess. But that really didn't have to be Halloween. Um, Them all dressed up in costumes, I guess, is Halloween. Because they're all dressed up like the village people and stuff. But it's very atypical for a sitcom Halloween special. And for that, I give it tons of credit. It was just strong throughout. I love this episode. This is a classic, man. This is a five out of five for me. I love it. You know, I wasn't dying on the floor laughing, but I was laughing as they kept playing this song again. I was laughing. It was all good, strong material with Al and the Reaper. Uh, Great material with Marcy. She's just cuckoo, man. Throwing a party like that. I mean, this is just really creative, strong material. I fault this episode not at all. So yeah, I love it. Five out of five. Great stuff.
1: That's it, folks.
5: Good good analysis, I will say, Anna. Um so, so to add to add to mine a little bit, um I'll I'll say um yeah, it's proof that season eight, um any any setback from a certain kid from season seven, um, was def- definitely overcome by this point. And the show still had a few ideas um left in the tank, um some of which will come a little bit later in this season, um or season eight, episode nine for those who know, hint hint.
4: Yes indeedy. I think there's still gas in the tank at this point. It's not until season eleven um we'll possibly attend that the the tank is starting to run on empty a little bit but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it the first half of season eight is sort of an improvement over season seven in the way that there's no addition of a cousin oliver type or anything like that yet as we as we progress through this season we'll we'll see other additions that come in some are very very welcome But for now, and for this one, you know, it's just a fun Halloween episode. It's Married with Children's only full-out, full-on Halloween episode. It's nice that the show got to do that, and it's nice that we got to chat about it today, just the two of us.
5: Yes, I'm from um, the two biggest fans in Australia, Anna being the biggest, me being merely the biggest west of the Gulf St. Vincent.
4: So thank you, Matt, for joining me. Little secret, this is our second episode together, but we have recorded it first. And join us, and when I say us, I mean the Meritor Children podcast for next week's episode, Scared Single. When Al hires a recent Polk High graduate, he sees him as a hero, and Al takes full advantage by giving the boy the full benefit of his wisdom. Also, while working as the verminator, Kelly accidentally gets a face full of bug spray, which causes her to start behaving very strangely.